When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bernstein and Holmes, your midday destination for Chicago sports talk on 670 The Score. Corner infielders charging. Madrigal bunts it to third base. Fielded by Vientos. His only play is to first. The sacrifice works. One away. But now the Cubs have men at second and third. And Christopher Morell do up. Yeah, it all sounds great, but you gave away an out. You gave away an out. And this is one of those cases where I kind of understand why. And it has to do with the guy you sent up there with the bat in his hand. So let's first hear, let's hear from David Ross before we get into it. Let's hear what the manager said after the game about his thought process. Uh, you know, you got to trust your players, and and you know, I'm not going to pinch hit from regular hit on the seats too, just like he did earlier in the game. Guy's a uh, really valuable um, player, and you know, Nick puts the ball on the ground a lot. So if he gets into a double play, you might be asking me why I didn't bunt him. So yeah, it's part of this outcome bias, and I try to put guys in the situation to get a really good contact hitter behind him uh, if he does strike out. And, and Nico, they walked him and never even came close, and comes down bases loaded with half of the uh, at the plate. You take your chances every single day. Well, that's that's one way to look at it, and and I understand what he's saying about outcome bias. Here's the madrigal paradox. When you try to look at the calculus of giving away the out, and he said it, Ross gave it away there. When he said, if he hits into a double play, you're asking me different questions. Madrigal isn't going to strike out. He also isn't going to hit a home run. And he's very unlikely to get an extra base hit. So why are you pinch hitting him? I don't know. If you're pinch hitting him too bunt, I think that's what they did. That, th- that's the and the only outcome. If you know there's going to be contact, and you have to take two outs off the table completely, which is a a much higher likelihood with someone who hits weak contact as often as he does, that there's going to be a double play. It's going to essentially end the game. So you've got a bunt. Is you got Gomes there? Yeah, I I didn't. I, I mean, I read all of the post game. I maybe it was one of those. You've got the whole day off type situations for Gomes. I, but I can't imagine that Mm-mm. we're in that place right now because Mm-mm. you're trying to win a division. Your whole day off just ended if you want to, right. you want it to end. Yeah. Right. I, but I feel like you sent, you, like you specifically pinch hit Madrigal in that situation for him to bunt. I don't think that bunt should be completely done away with. I think that there are situations, especially home team extra inning game tied, where bunting the runner from second to third makes a lot of sense to me. In this situation, I don't I hate giving away the out. I hate it. And I understand why. And I I I also don't particularly like that Rossi is presupposing what the questions are going to be like. We don't understand baseball strategy and where the game is moved at this point. 
especially the people that are covering the team on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm okay with the swing away there. Whether you want to whether you want to bat Amaya or you want to tell Nikki Four Barrels, "Hey man, I we trust you. Go out there and put the ball in the air in the outfield. Do something that's going to advance the runners or you could steal. Can I give you the numbers behind that? Feel free. This is from Matt Trueblood, who does really, really good work at Northside Baseball. He writes for some other teams, but I think he does some Brewers stuff. A longtime prospectus guy. He says, losing a set to a strip-mined, understaffed, half-interested Mets team stings. And the final frame Wednesday was especially frustrating. He goes through, he says, with Nick Madrigal due up, Showalter removes Adovino for Phil Bickford. Said it's an empty gesture in the direction of credibility. They got him just before the trade deadlines. They unloaded much of their pitching staff. Bickford was a gift to the Cubs, pitching on a second consecutive night. He's also one of the easiest relievers in baseball on whom to run. In 77 opportunities, that's plate appearances in which a runner's on first and second and the next base is open. Opponents have attempted 12 steals against Bickford. They're 12 for 12. Candelario, the lead runner, 7 for 8 stealing. The league's overall success rate this year, near 80%, the highest in history, scale-breaking in its departure from all previous global success rates. Said Francisco Alvarez is a fine arm, but Candelario should have been able to mark off a good-sized lead and steal third against the slow-delivering Bickford. Talkman could have cruised in as the trail runner. Mm Mm-hmm. So instead, he has Madrigal lay down the sack. Bunt came at the cost of a crucial out. Yep. One can spend all night making excuses and rationalizing it. Defenses unhappily shade Madrigal to hit the other way on the infield, which meant Lindor could stay close to second. Mm-hmm. That's another mad part of the Madrigal paradox. That's another part of it. So Candelario is not a true base stealer. Attempting a double steal would have been risky. But it's easy to overlook the cost and risk of the tactic Ross and Madrigal chose because the bunt left the Cubs just two more outs with which to work. And Morell was probably a poor candidate with a strikeout rate to cash in on the advancement that Madrigal earned. He said Ross thought through most of this. He just overlooked the option of taking the bases by force instead of by trade. And this is the other point. The Cubs' success rate on steals is 82.5%. Trueblood's point being that's too high. It means they're not being aggressive enough. That that should, that number should settle back around right, 75%. Around the league, or the league average, which is just under 80. He says, as every game and every opportunity to score in close contest becomes more precious, David Ross needs to take better calculated risks. I think that's, that's an, an excellent way of putting all this. I mean, I'm you, you know what I always text. I always text to Bunty inside of our group text. And I texted it last night. In that situation, like, is it, it, the texter brings up a really good point. If you really trusted your players, you should have trusted Madrigal to swing away in that situation. Or Amaya to swing away. Or said, you know what, Jan, I know I promised you the day off. We need you. I know I promised you back-to-back day off. We need you here. Go get a bat and go hit the ball into the outfield. Okay? Or over the fence. Because that's also a possibility with Gomes this year. But especially I, adding in 
how easy it is to run against Bickford. That's a really important detail. Nobody has been thrown out against him this year. Yeah. So, you know, it's 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 one of those things where you go, hey, was this was this a game where the manager may have cost the team late? But considering what happened in the game where you had mistake pitch to Alonzo, Wisniewski not being very good, and you end up trailing in that situation. It's one, it's a contributing factor, but maybe not the main factor on why you lost. But these are the things now that because the expectation level is higher on the Cubs, that we have to examine. Yep. That this is what Cubs fans are, like every Cub fan last night is going, what did we just do? And it was a well-executed bunt by Madrigal. The, you got the result that you wanted. It's the process of why you wanted that particular result. Knowing that even though we're seeing Morrell do a better job of taking walks, in that situation, you're not asking him to. And it was interesting because Cliff Floyd, I thought Cliff Floyd was great last night talking after the game about the at-bat and what you're supposed to do in that situation. Cliff Floyd was outstanding in his breakdown of Morrell's at-bat. Bickford came in with traffic and Christopher Morrell swinging at the first offering, swinging at the second. Sometimes you want to give those relievers a little bit of rope and make them throw you a strike and see if they're able to wiggle out of that position. That's well, not what we saw tonight. Well, e- even if you do that, Cole, for me, you have to then zoom and say, okay, I'm going to swing, I'm going to hack, I'm going to be me early in the count, but you have to have the wherewithal to understand when you get the two strikes, your game plan changes. That he will learn at some point, and you have to live with that. Like I say, sometimes you have to live with you know, downs because you definitely enjoy the ups, right? And, and you can look at the pitches and that whole bat, and they'll just tell you, you know, what Chris Morrell is at. I mean, he understands. He thinks he can hit everything. I like that swing. That ball's in the zone. Another sure. one, top of the zone, that's a strike. It's all about the swing. It's not about, you know, what he's swinging at. In that situation, another strike at the top of the zone. That would have been a punch out. Boom. But when you get to that pitch right there, nothing's changed from any other pitch you've seen. You saw fastballs after fastballs, and that was a 94-mile-an-hour fastball. Center cut. Well, center cut. So you'd like to see him possibly spray that thing the other way with two strikes, right? Well, yes. Sure. 100%. But my point to that is, if you're in swing mode, what's changing with the two strikes? You can't tell me if I ask him out the game, go, hey, what happened in that situation? You say, I was looking for a pitch middle win. That's what has to change in the mindset of a youngster. Mm. You don't get to say, I was looking for a, middle, a pitch middle win. Mm-mm. Not with, not, not with men second and third. You got to be looking for anything. Bigford in there throwing heat. You, he hasn't thrown you one thing that, that's a wrinkle in it that throws you off and go, hey, you live with that one because you missed four fastballs that you probably should have hit mm-hmm. in that bat, and then he throws you a wrinkle. Hats off to him. I'll keep a move. That's courtesy of Marquis. And, and I'm so with Cliff on this. Because I'm sitting there going, what was Morrell looking for on that pitch that he got caught looking on strike two? Like, you have to be in swing mode. That's an RBI situation. That's run producer mode. Yes. And and the fact that it was, I mean, it was exactly the type of pitch that Christopher Morrell hits 395 feet. The first pitch of the game, he hits a grease missile. Yep. I can't. 
call it what I, uh, it's fine. Wanted to call it. Then you, you can just call it that. Then. Yeah, that that's actually a term for a for a hot dog at the at the turn at, in golf. A glizzy, a grease missile. I usually say you know. Throw I'm that. saying you could just call it a glizzy. I, I come on, I, I can't. I'm not calling a hot dog a glizzy. Oh, okay. Come on. But it was that. I mean, that one was just absolutely placatized. And, and and I disagree with Cole. I'm not looking for Christopher Morrell to try to hit that ball the opposite way. No, of course I'm, not. I'm looking for Christopher Morrell to hit that ball over the wall or to the warning track. I'm not, no, no, no. Uh, this is not a. It's not his job to try to serve it the opposite no, direction. No, hit the snot out of the ball and get the run home with a fly ball, if nothing else. So there's a lot there. Like there's a there's a lot in that in game situation, and it's great. It's great for us to be in a position where we're talking about it that way, where we have the opportunity to to kind of really get into the weeds on the decisions that are made because you're starting to see that the National League wild card is getting a little bit more competitive. I still like I'm all about them catching the Brewers and that being the route to the playoffs. But all you have to take all of this stuff in mind, and you don't want to give away games to bad teams. Like that's where we end up at the end of this, Dan. Don't give away games to bad teams. And that Mets team is not very good. No, they're a bad team. I do like Francisco Lindor's haircut, though. I just like Francisco Lindor. I do too. I and him. I was, He's I was awesome. wondering. I was like, is that going to look good on him? Because you know he had the long hair, and the long hair looked great on him too. I guess what I'm saying is that he's really good looking. Then it worked out with the short haircut. Even got a little line thing going yeah, on there. People who have people who are better looking have more margin for error yes, when it do. comes to taking some of those fashion risks. Yes, they do. I, that's like I always I always laugh at that. Like like in my algorithm, when people say like, "Wow, look how good Elizabeth Hurley looks at age 60. I'm like, "That's Elizabeth Hurley," and people are like, "Well, you know, Sharon Stone still looks good." Yes. Because these are some people who are some, when you're one of the most, you know, Paulina Poritzkova. Yes, you're literally talking about the cover of Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Issue and Padma Lakshmi. Oh, you're talking about it was an underwear model. It, they're not normal. They've got more margin for error. They can lose a little bit on the fastball and still look like a billion dollars. Man, I saw a video of... Uh... Of Nelly Furtado on stage last night. I saw that too. I yeah, she been eating grits. Yeah, I think so. I was impressed. What does that mean? Um, she probably fall out of your algorithm now, but she's falling right into me and Ray's. That's right. She's forty four. She's a little young for mine. Yeah, N- Nelly wasn't really known for like showing off her body when she was in. I'm oh. like a bird. I want to fly away. Yeah. Okay. And and she was she was okay. out there. Oh, I see what you mean. She was out there. All right. Oh, yeah. yeah. So if you were a fan of Nelly Furtado back in the day, and you was like, "Hey, I wonder what happened with Nelly Furtado." Hey, good go things, follow up on that. Go good follow up on that today. With, yes, good things have happened with Nelly Furtado. All right. Real good thing. Who uh, who was it at the station? That Timberland. Was, no, who was it? Zampillo. That was just obsessed with her. Yeah, probably because she's a really good songwriter. Yeah, no, I think he had like a, I think it was Zampillo that kind of had a thing for. Yeah, for she's her. a really good songwriter. Very yeah. interesting to talk to and and to hear from, and also stunningly beautiful. Mm-hmm. So it's a good combo that fits for Z. That's ex- exactly how he likes to get down. Uh- <laughs> 